Blog Talk Radio. The following program is brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Discovering Taoist Wicca with your host, Susie Peltier, also known as Lady Red Hawk. I'm John Carousella, host of Convergence and a Shamanic Life, and I'll be joining Susie as she takes us through the discovery and exploration of Taoist Wicca. Susie? Thank you, John, and it is so good to see you, as always. I am uh, very honored to be joining uh, your network to um, present these ideas um, and welcome all of you near and far and thank you so much for sharing these um, these ideas. Um, I hope that they're thought-provoking and inspiring and that you'll get a giggle from them occasionally and that hopefully I'll give you some real-life practical applications uh, to Wicca and help you understand the holistic model from which it uh, is derived. So thank you so very much. I wanted to um, start by introducing a little bit of my background because I didn't start out in search of a religion. I had always been a seeker, but had come to a place in my life where I was pretty content being an agnostic. But I was a healer. And when I was getting my holistic health degree, some very extraordinary questions started to um, nag me as, <laughs> as I moved through my holistic uh, program. It was one of the first um, holistic programs uh, offered to healers in the country at that point. And it was a very left-of-center alternative school, unfortunately now closed. It was New College of California. And the nearest equivalent would be a medical anthropology degree. Oh. So they had um, a, a very strong emphasis on holism, but also the influence of culture on healing practices, and because healing practices for thousands of years have been inextricable from spiritual practices. the There was a holistic vision that came about in that process. We learned a great deal about um, shamanism, and uh, so no wonder we would have an affinity, right. <laughs> John. Yeah. And... Um, but uh, this holistic model is something that's very, very near and dear to my heart. And I made this dedication long before I dedicated to uh, Wicca or to the God and Goddess. That's a not only a spiritual principle, but also a social and environmental principle. It's deeply relevant right now. And that's what's really prompting me to do the show. And because... In holism, we see the body, the mind, and spirit um, as inextricable from each other, communicative, responsive to one another. And if one part of the body, mind, spirit as a complex is breaking down in some reason, it's going to have a reverb effect on, on all of the other planes. So we see all illnesses as a fundamental uh result of energy, vital life force energy that's stuck. Oh, okay. And um, and so from my daily work for 30 years, I've been um, a body worker, hypnotherapist, uh, Reiki master teacher. And of course, all those kind of came in their own good time. But overall, <laughs> my <laughs> career has spanned nearly 30 years. And um, so I was working with Chi or prana daily in my 
life as a massage therapist and hypnotherapist, but um, it took this holistic training to really begin to uh, appreciate its steps and its importance. And one of the ways it's really important right now is the science of ecology that for years now has recognized the Gaia effect. Uh, Gaia effect thinking in terms of the whole planet is seen as one living, breathing organism. And facing tremendous weather changes, tremendous uh, clear-cutting of the Amazon and, and things that are really changing our climate, we there's really tremendous ancient wisdom for our modern needs. And that's that's kind of the prompting me to um, speak out because there's tremendous social relevance, environmental relevance, and a a fundamental disconnect with the harmony within the incapacity to recognize or create a harmony within ourselves, a harmony within our culture. Um, and so as a consequence, how can anyone heal if they're continually swimming in a polluted pool? Mm, yeah. So we really have to look at Wicca has always been an environmentally friendly, mm, right, <laughs> the right. rock people, the, the plant people, and the animal people. They were all relations in indigenous thinking. And this is, this is uh, very key. What we, Chief Seattle said to, to George Washington, what we do to our Mother Earth, we do to ourselves. And I would say, going beyond that, what we do to ourselves, we do to each other. We do, yeah. And yeah. vice versa. So it's very important that um, we look at Wicca not as a frivolity where we all kind of, you know, get around in costumes and hit the bonfire and drum a lot and dance around and have a, joy, uh, a, a great old time, although there is much of the practice that expresses reverence that is quite joyous. The the other is the activism. Mm -hmm. So uh, part of this show is about to, is to express that activism. In a way, Joseph Campbell pointed out that nature is was considered a thou and not an it. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, we have to learn that. We have to learn it over and over again until we really get back to that thinking that it's a thou. You don't have to think, I was looking for an expression as a healer, a way to understand and bring about balance. Mm -hmm. And Taoist Wicca grew out of that um, search for balance. So this show is an opportunity to view um, Wicca as a holistic system, the core values that bring ancient wisdom for our modern needs, and a way to understand Wicca as an honoring of nature, as well as a practice of personal introspection timed with the seasons that will allow us to acknowledge the profound impact the seasons have on our psyches and our bodies. You know, it's interesting. It just strikes me that um, when we were weak, mm -hmm. we were at the mercy of nature. And so we honored nature in those those early primitive primal animist um, nature based ways of being. I will call them religions because they weren't religions; they were part of the the life action. Mm -hmm. um, we were humble in the mm -hmm. face of nature mm -hmm. and and reverent and reverent because <laughs> because we didn't understand and we and we had to right. Uh -huh. uh, and then we went into this period where we thought we could dominate. Uh, and we have, we mm -hmm. have dominated. We have dominated, exploited, and destroyed. And now we're at this place where it's, oh my goodness gracious, we better get our act together because we are part of nature. Mm -hmm. And if we destroy it, our prospects aren't so good. And so, right. so I really welcome the, the, the energy behind what you're sharing because it is it's a it's a clarion call to responsibility. Yes. That that we you know in the past when there weren't a lot of us, 
Mother Earth could absorb a whole bunch of our abuse mm -hmm. because we weren't very, we weren't, <laughs> even though we were abusive, we weren't significant, right? <laughs> now we're very significant yes. and very abusive. And that is a bad formula. Right. Well, we've never numbered 7 billion people on the planet yeah. and counting. And counting. Um, and uh, we also, in that shift over from stewardship, to dominance. We not only acquired technology, but we acquired a paradigm that allowed for these advancements and enhanced these advancements, um, but they severed us from our deep roots, and that is the reductionist paradigm. Uh, and, say more about that. Yes. Um, Reductionism is the opposite of holism. So if you think of holism, instead of spelled H-O-L-I-S-M, then and you replace it with W-H-O-L-I-S-M, then you totally get the point immediately. It is about being whole. Reductionism, as the name implies, reduces things. So you have the classic dilemma of a scientist hunting for chi. He wants to prove that chi exists. How's he going to do it? He's going to cut up a frog. And then he's going to declare chi doesn't exist because he couldn't find it. Well, by killing the frog, the chi is gone. Mm -hmm. Right. So we have a fundamental difficulty there. <laughs> right. But reductionism is very, very good. It leads us to scientific method, which has led to many, many advancements. And there's nothing wrong with with it if you limit it to science. However, we have extended the, the model into social science. And so now you have this idea, constant in constant subdivisions, not only socio, uh, social, racial, economic, education, um, all of these, it's a symptom, systematic environmental as well as um, physical, emotional disenfranchisement. So you have not only, not valuing people, we make social choices that we fund prisons instead of schools. Not valuing so people. What, so what are we valuing? What, what is it that we're valuing I, I, instead? I'm not so sure. <laughs> okay. Because our politicians seem to be Anything, well, there seems to be a fundamental argument in politics now about big government over small government. But it's really more about, I see the missing piece in that puzzle, the value of human beings to your culture as, a, as being cultivated, carefully cultivated to participate in the cultural process. Mm. Okay. as contributing members. And so it stands to reason, if you don't feed your children, why, do, why should they grow up respecting a society that doesn't feed them? Right. Or doesn't give them educational tools for manifesting their dreams or a way out of their circumstances. Mm. So it begs the question... Uh, you know, or, or, um, defending, defunding food programs or the failure to even extend unemployment benefits to working people who use, who, who earn them or raise the minimum wage or anything like that. The disparity between the rich and the poor is, is as bad as it was in the Depression. It hasn't been that bad since the Depression. And now we have an increasing gulf. And if you don't equip people, say fundamentally they have value and you're going to cultivate their capacity to make contributions to the culture, why should they value the culture? Mm, right. And, and when we lived in, in smaller tribal units, everybody had to chip in. There was this idea of a cooperative effort and the capacity to communicate. But all of those things have kind of been 
kind of started to break down. Um, so if we're, what I'm suggesting is that, that it's time to look at the fundamental guiding principle of the culture and exchange reductionism for holism because then our values would change. The appropriations Congress would make would change. The, um, the whole system is now failing to take care of individuals. And so um, we can kind of say, wow, that feels really grim and very overpowering, and, and what on earth should, can I do about that? Okay, so, <laughs> so an, excellent, an excellent question. Let's take a short break, and when Great. we come back, we'll see what we can do about that. Okay. All right, so we'll be right back. Terrific. At Firefly Willows L-I-V-E, we're working hard to be your trusted source for fun, enlightening, and heart-centered information and community. And we're passionate about the art of transformative media, the new leading edge of communication in our highly connected, media-rich world. If you're passionate about facilitating change and you have gifts or ideas you'd like to share, come join us, host a show, or be a guest, or connect us to an amazing speaker or teacher whose message is too good to miss. There's always room for courageous, knowledgeable changemakers, inspired artists, and new ideas. Let us know you're interested send an email to info at fireflywillows.com. We're Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E, helping you find and shine your inner light. Welcome back to Discovering Taoist Wicca with your host, Susie Peltier. Susie, before the break, we were uh, on the verge of some very grim news. Uh, (laughs) The the disenfranchisement of individuals, the devaluing of the culture, as a as a function of reductionism, um, and you highlighted holism as an alternative. Mm-hmm. Take us there. Yeah, it, if we look at the very from the very very highest level, if we replace that paradigm, then make we make different choices of of our value system, and then um, appropriations, time allocations, everything shifts from there, and. Every one of us is a little sacred ripple. And even if the pool we're swimming in is polluted, nevertheless, we have a sphere of influence in our own lives, in our own psyche. And, um. So can we, can we individually clean the pool around us? To our little capacity, yes. And there is this when you pour, when you put water on to boil, you turn on the stove. The stove is the catalyst. Each calorie of heat you put in is inching its way up to the boiling point. The magic number it takes to break the molecules of liquid apart into steam, right? The same is true it's kind of a hundredth monkey effect in mm-hmm. <laughs> that the same is true for us if we want to make a shift personally on any level. We still have to create a catalyst, put that energy in, and eventually we can shape or shift the state of being. That's what magic is. It is not the absence of forces. It is a way to shape and influence the consciousness in such a way that you are directing the energy into that desired shape or outcome or Mm. goal. Mm -hmm. And from there, you can not only make shifts in your own thinking to, to look at things differently, but also begin to participate politically so that you're demanding that representatives begin to see things differently as well. So Wick has always been linked to to passionate activism. Mm, Uh, Starhawk is is a a very, very good example example of that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I would say to new people... Uh, people who are new to Wicca, practice it as an, a creative outlet or a self-coaching system or for stress management. 
and you can play in the metaphor and get terrific results. You don't have to take it as a religion. It is a religion worthy of respect. Um, and that's the reason you would not jump into it. You would let, you would go in with an open mind and an open heart and let your own experiences uh, shape your thinking about it. But we have nothing to do with the devil at all. Um, we don't even hold an adversarial view of duality. <laughs> right. You know, we right. see a, we see duality as complementary. Mm-hmm. And so, so uh, to us, the closest thing to sin would be deforestation or fouling the water or things like that that harm the greater good. Things that harm the greater good. Mm-hmm. 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 And so we have the only axiom we have in Wicca is to do as you will and harm none. And that is um, pretty well. You can use a similar two sign and think of that as the Taoist law of non-infringement or the golden rule. Mm, right. You know, do unto others as you would they do unto you. Yeah. It's a very, very transferable ethic there. You know, so I think one of the things that might be worth um, highlighting about Wicca is that it is not a coercive exercise, right? The ru- There's no rules that you have to abide by to be a good Wiccan you know, or, or, you know, there's no, there's no notion of, of sin the way we often think about it in, um, monotheistic and patriarchal religions. Um, it's, you're invited to participate as much as you are willing to participate and you're embraced as much as you are able. To receive. To receive. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So yeah. there's no, there's no like, uh, there's no threshold. It's it's a continuum. It's a it's a loving embrace the whole way along. Right, and we also have no. Uh, n- we don't hold the assumption that you're flawed until you're saved. We hold the assumption that we are perfectly perfecting, and we are spiritual beings. The divine is in us. It permeates the world. And so there is, we don't need a redeemer. Mm, And um, so... Which, which, you know, as we talk about Yule, uh, in contrast to the overall, the overcultures celebration of this time of year, it might mm -hmm. be interesting to talk about a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I only want to kind of make the point that, that... that several questions, when I go back to how I discovered Wicca and how it came into being, several questions that prompted me, uh, they kept talking about how shamans did rituals for healing. But n- nobody was really explaining how that worked to me. I was fascinated, and, and I was also fascinated by the fact that all of these Diverse cultures around the world who had no contact with each other still held very similar uh, assumptions and beliefs that uh, I took as kind of, this is excellent evidence that Jung was right on when he talked about the collective unconscious, first of all, but also just this is fascinating, but what are they doing? And why is there no ritual or, or very little ritual in this culture and are we socially suffering because of it you know um well when you say there is very little ritual in this culture what do you mean by that well we've reduced funerals down um yes the irish have wakes but you know for the most part or or the, the the funerals take an hour and then they're a potluck and then you're expected to go back to work with at least within a few days. Um, there is um, there are virtually no rites of passage. Mm. You um, you graduate, so that means you know you have the obligatory family dinner, and then maybe you go out and get drunk. You know, most of our kind of 
rites of passage are marked with um, uh, a party of some sort, but nothing to mark the the essential longings of of the human spirit that says that says I don't know how to put this to rest. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to move into this other phase, and there's no cultural tutorial. Yes, if you're Jewish, then you get you get, you get prepared. Or, yeah. yeah, but. But you, but for the most part, you know, if you're growing up in a secular society, there are these, these expectations that are never really clearly articulated and you aren't given the equipment to do them. And I started to wonder if maybe gang violence, um, was, was one of the symptoms of this lack of, uh, uh, rites of passage and that they give rites of passage and you belong to a, a community. And that led me to, to, um, three realizations. We're missing balance, belonging, and empowerment. Mm-hmm. And I said, there's got to be a way around this. Why are we the richest country in the world? And yet most of the people coming through my doors have low self-esteem doesn't matter how athletic they are. It doesn't matter how beautiful they are. We all, at the fundamental tell-the-truth place, don't feel as good about ourselves as we could. Mm. Why? Mm. And why have we sanitized death to the point that we don't, we can't relate to it? It's a part of life. And yet, we view that as a fight. Mm. Uh, so there are, are all of these ways in which we are not supporting the emotional well-being um, of ourselves or our community. And then we wonder why depression and anxiety disorders are rising and why, um, according to Dr. Herbert Benson, in a report to Congress in the 1990s, nearly 90% of our visits to doctors are for for stress-related illnesses. Right, right. It's kind of maddening. Yes. So it, it, as a healer, I was really drawn to um, to seek a remedy. You <laughs> know, healers are meddlers by nature. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking, you know, maybe the, maybe the peace missing is ritual because it helps to build community, helps to focus the mind positively, and therefore, through positive focus, it can relax the body. It can help you learn to access your spirit. And in that way, it doesn't really matter to whom you address your prayers. You can use any language you want to about that. In Wicca, we think of God and Goddess. Um, some branches of Wicca only use God. Some only use Goddess. Um, it depends upon what your particular balance point is. And that's, that was the birth of Dallas Wicca. Well, and for you, you identified balance as one of the things that was missing. So it's not surprising that you have, uh, both God and Goddess as part of the formula that you uncovered. Well, God and Goddess is, if you look at the, in general, it is safe to say about Wicca that it does think in terms of God and Goddess. Hmm. You have your, your rare traditions on the the outside of the bell curves that right. that slant to one or the other, um, and we have to assume that that is what is balanced for those people who participate in that tradition. Oh, right. Uh-huh. Mm, well said. Not to not the balance has to be a fifty fifty proposition. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, and 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 this practice evolved over time because I got a handful of uh, friends willing to humor me. <laughs> they, they had, I didn't start out to have a, to create a tradition. The books simply didn't agree. And I had this, this experiment I wanted to run. We all had in some way low self-esteem that I, I, I wanted to address. And many of the women, didn't. it started out as a women's circle and evolved into a both gender circle. But um, uh, the core experiment was, can we build a community based on 
um, honoring each other as divine beings. And could that expression help us in our daily lives, having some place to go back to where, where the social agreement is that when you attend a ritual, you are in your divinity. Right. Hail and welcome. And that's, and that's actually not an easy, uh, certainly not a facile, uh, understanding for most of our culture that we are in our divinity at certain times. Well, we actually are in our divinity always. Well, yeah, but, but we, but don't, but we don't behave that way. And culturally, we're not. And we're not taught right. to see ourselves or each other that way. Right, right. It's thought to be spiritual arrogance to declare one is a divine being. Mm. And in Wicca, you absolutely are. You are the God and Goddess incarnate, and so am I. All right, well, on that note, let's take another short break. Terrific. And and when we come back, we'll talk more about uh, Wicca and uh, the beginning. Yule. Yule, all right. (laughs) Terrific. We'll be right back. A personal tarot reading can offer you insight, information, enlightenment, and empowerment along your life's path. Hi-C is a professional tarot conversationalist and ritualist with over 10 years' experience. He's available for readings in a variety of formats, including parties and events. To schedule your personal tarot reading, contact Hi-C at tarotbyhi-c.net or email him at hic at fireflywillows.com. Welcome back. I'm John Carasella, together with Susie Peltier, also known as Lady Redhawk, and this is Discovering Taoist Wicca. Susie, we were talking about, uh, or we're about to begin the exploration of uh, the beginning, mm-hmm. which is Yule. So mm-hmm. um, take us forward. Great. Um, well, I just wanted to kind of also back up just a moment and share uh, a couple more things with you before we go on to Yule. And that is that um, many of the books out there expressing their tradition's viewpoint did not agree with each other. If you are new, this will probably be very annoying to you because you'll wonder which way is right. Hmm. Well, the thing is, lots of roads lead to the light. So um, I sifted through the books and found that Starhawk's The Spiral Dance, and I'm partial to her 10th anniversary edition. Um, the Her outline, page, page and a half outline of each Sabbath, seemed to bear out in a little study I created where people were coming in to my body work practice um, with emotional and physical ailments, and eerily, their physical ailments would correspond to the themes of the chakras that were time to the nearest Sabbath, and their, um, they knew nothing about it. I also saw that Wicca in general, the word Wick to Wick, it comes, Wicca is the craft of the wise shaping. To Wick is to shape or shift consciousness. Okay. And Taoist Wicca is to keep the focus upon the balance, whatever uh-huh. that is for you. Okay. That's the reason mm-hmm. I chose the name. Right. And I also saw that the yearly cycle divided into a, a Tao. Right. Very perfectly, actually. Mm-hmm. From solstice to solstice, those are the turning points. Right. And the equinoxes are balance points. Still points, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so, in short, Taoist Wicca is a ritual calendar system for personal growth. It, um, it teaches you to work in conjunction with the rhythms of the seasons. And I believe that the the themes um, that were expressed in her book were born out by observation. And so that's the one that I refer to as the template. Uh 
um, for the meanings of each of the Sabbaths. So um, it, wasn't, it wasn't that you just adopted her book. It was that you used her book as a lens and saw that it, uh, through experience that that's... That it's it the one that bore uh, most true. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because I had a natural little control group in, <laughs> in my practice, yes. Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, I was approaching all of this as a healer. I was just looking for healing tools, really. I didn't start out to invent a tradition um, that seemed like the height of arrogance to me at the time. And if I think back on it, yeah, you know, it kind of is. But But when you sit with ideas long enough and sit with the question, the inspirations and guidance kind of seem to to come. Mm. So, and the, the questions persisted. They 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 simply dogged me where I was going. So I absolutely had to continue yeah. uh, forward with it. And so here I am today. But it, here we are also. In we're recording this in mid-December, and we'll air sometime before Yule. Right. And Yule is Norse for real, and it is the uh, winter solstice. Once upon a time, adjusting for calendars, um, you only had. Uh, later on, Christianity adopted winter solstice because they were already pagan holidays that had to do with a son, child, S-O-N-S-U-N, child being reborn and a celebration that even amidst at the longest night of the year, the sun will return. Mm-hmm. And if you were wholly dependent upon the sun to uh, warm you and to um, to raise your crops and to keep your livestock alive, it was a long, hard winter. And you really had to prepare emotionally for the ordeal. And so cultures would get work together very um, diligently get in the last harvest and then everybody pile into, you know, big communal houses, including their livestock mm, right. <laughs> to keep warm. And you, so you had this very, very ancient motif of the mother giving birth to the sun child. Mm, okay. And this goes back, you see Horus and Isis. Um, you, you see, even uh, the thinking that Lao Tzu, the father of Taoism, was had a virgin birth. So this idea of um, uh, um, uh, an independent woman, um, not necessarily unsullied, but independent, needing no other, could give birth to a new beginning. And... So, looking at that and spending time with that and, and taking into account the, the previous Sabbath, which is Samhain, and you and I were, um, uh, had the pleasure of a wonderful conversation about Samhain. Samhain was the time of the death, time of the sacrifice, and metaphorically, you died. Mm. You journeyed through the underworld, and now with the sun, you're going to be reborn. But you can't be reborn with your baggage. Right. You have to find a way to to give peace and rest to the past. In a, or in ancient times, ghost and guest were the same word in the Celtic language. The ghosts and the guests would have driven you mad. <laughs> so I came to understand that the seasons were prompting us to do certain psychic work, work within our psyche, so that we could endure the environmental changes and work along with the seasons. If we don't do it, that sets us up for mental illness. Hmm. So um, as a coaching tool, you know, we're kind of taught, okay, grow, 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 grow. No. 
<laughs> right. That that isn't actually how it works here no. on this planet. <laughs> no, no. Things have to be left fallow for a while. They have to lay dormant. The seeds that were um, discarded by the plant have to have time to rest before they're germinated by the sun. But the sun is absent for a while. That means it has to sit in the dark. Mm. Metaphorically, we're sitting in the dark. Mm-hmm. And we are facing our own shadows. But we're facing those shadows so that we can distill the story and the drama down to a handful of lessons, and that's what we can be reborn with. So that's where you have a convergence between the self-coaching tool and the metaphor. Uh, you got to share more about this. Okay. Well, the self-coaching tool is, what are you letting go of? What no longer serves you? Because you can't drag your baggage in. What old beliefs have are outdated now? What um, uh, and well, I, I actually want to ask, mm-hmm. what are the, the you know in so you go into you're in the dark you're mm-hmm. in with your shadow mm-hmm. and you're distilling down to a handful of lessons. Mm-hmm. What is can you offer some? Typical or archetypical examples of that. Okay. Like, because like, I, cause I, I want to execute on this plan. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> um, well, the goddess I work with, uh, it, there are a couple of goddesses. Hecate, of course, is the goddess of the crossroads. She's a fire goddess. She holds the torch. She shines light on our path. A little bit into our future, but not much. Mm. Uh, she's the queen of witches. And my personal patron is Caridwen. She's the Welch goddess, um, mistress of the cauldron of death, inspiration, and rebirth. So think of us each as a vegetable being chopped up <laughs> and thrown into soup. <laughs> that happened at Samhain. Mm. Now the soup's been simmering a while. The the hard edges of who we think we are, hopefully the ego is dissolving. And and when that happens, we're confronted by those edges and uh, traumatized by both having them and letting them go. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. That's what it feels like for me. No, like, it's like, totally true. It's totally true. Wow. We we are we are not recognizing that. T-R-A-N-S means to move across, go beyond. So when we talk about wanting to transform, we have to accept that temporarily we will be without form. If we are moving beyond and go form, then temporarily in order to transform, we have to go beyond form before we get another form. Now, at some, at some level, this is an active process. Absolutely active. Even though it's even though it's during this time of year when we're supposed to be quiet. Well, you need your quiet in order to go deeply enough to. You first began at Samhain, preparing for Samhain, with stories and dramas, things that have upset you, things that you're trying to work through in order to let go of. Hmm. And there's a distillation process happening. Whereas the soup simmers down, there's more and more, there's less and less liquid, less and less um, turmoil, and you're starting to see how these things are not disparate stories. They're actually thematic of things that you need to look at and and transform, be with in order to allow them to drop away, allow yourself to experience being absorbed back into that great no-thing, that empty space that is actually the ready womb of the goddess. But if we come already formed, it's like trying to give birth to an adult. It simply doesn't happen. You know, we're giving birth to possibilities. Well, if you have shape, then you're limited in your possibilities. It takes a great deal of... um 
trust to let go of your form. Yes. Because you never know, because you, you don't know what you're going to come back as. Yes. 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 But, and the, the good news is that, that Wicca is a consciously, we call it the craft because it's a consciously honed set of skills that through practice we can, can come into a different relationship to the things that frighten us. Death being one one. of the biggest. (laughs) Yes. Right. Yes. Hmm. And so, um, to honor what's dying within us and to know that everything that's temporal is temporary. And that... And these aren't just words. No. This is, this actually, when you do this work, because I know I'm, I'm doing it, Mm -hmm. um, it literally can convulse you absolutely it can it can drain you it can shake you it can uh it can make you wretch mm-hmm. because if you are really willing to see and acknowledge mm-hmm. the edges and let them go mm-hmm. that is not a trivial exercise no and it's a full body, mind, spirit exercise. Mm-hmm. And it is equally as somatic as it is uh, intellectual or emotional. Yes, I think that's what I, that's what I wanted to bring out. Is it's, not just a, it's not just something that you do in your head. It's right. something that you do in all of the, the dimensionality of who you are. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and as a body worker, I, I seem to have been graced with uh, the opportunity to see many somatic purgings uh, of, of emotional and physical trauma. And so you can imagine if Samhain, if this was your first Samhain, you have, if you're 25, you have 25 years to download. If you're 40 and doing the practice, you have 40 years to download, and so on and so forth. So Whatever we've accumulated that needs to be released. But there's also in that many disciplines that um, recognize a rebirthing experience, uh, primal therapy being first right, among right. them, and then you had rebirthing, and, and they were all activated by breath or by sound or something. All right, so can we take a short break and then sure. uh, come back and really hit Yule uh, as a concept and experience and, and what we're what we're seeking to understand and, and receive from it? Terrific. Okay, so we'll be right back. Great. We hope you're enjoying this broadcast of Firefly Willows Live on Blog Talk Radio. For information on Firefly Willows, please explore our website fireflywillows.com or like us on Facebook. Welcome back. You're listening to Discovering Taoist Wicca with your host, Susie Peltier, also known as Lady Red Hawk. I'm John Carasella. And we, Susie, before the break, we were talking about um, the transition from Samhain into Yule mm-hmm. and uh, the cauldron and letting go and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So what happens after that? Well, in Chinese medicine, you always clear before you tonify. So again, coming at it from a body worker, you uh, in, in the actual ritual as we perform it, um, there is a consideration of what it is you're letting go of. And by now, you hopefully are have percolated down to where all that story and drama can be one or two stated lines. And, and those are the lessons that you can carry forward. That's your ticket back into rebirth, so to speak. And I mentioned earlier that Caridwin is my patron. And death, inspiration, and rebirth. Well, your inspiration 
is your ticket back. And we, in, in magical thinking, intention is the arrow shot that allows us to propel our energy toward a vision. And you're working only in, in essence right at the moment because you haven't got any light, but it is still nevertheless a vision of what you would like to create, not in hard, fast, concrete terms yet, but just a general overarching intention. And in this ritual, for this ritual, we bring a symbol of the intention. And in Samhain, Samhain and Yule are bookends to each other. Samhain took you in, Yule takes you out of the cauldron. <laughs> so you meet Caridwen on the way in, she has a chat with you, stirs you around, and there you sit and simmer, and then come Yule, she takes you out. And she has this little dialogue asking you what you're giving up uh, for the sake of your rebirth and what intention you would have in its stead so you aren't leaving a void for very long. And um, so intention is vital to anything. You have to have the intention and the clearer the intention the clearer your focus will be, and you'll be drawing to you all manner of support because it's a reflective, reactive, listening universe. So the, the, the wholehearted intention, even if it is to stay in the question, especially when, you know, when we talk about divine purpose or things like that that are, are are vital to making, to looking back on a life well lived. Um, nevertheless, you know, we think we have to have the roadmap already. No, you have to be in, in willing to step out in faith and stay in the question. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. That's a really important um, gift to give to people that, you don't have to have the answer. You have to be willing to stay in the question. Right. That's a huge, that is a huge, first of all, it's a huge relief. <laughs> uh, but it's, but it's also a huge, um, challenge because we're not, we're typically not advised to stay in the question. Right. And right. so we don't have training for that. Right. And, and staying in the question is very interesting. The word question has in it the quest. Mm. Hence, each of us is also a hero on that um, journey for the Holy Grail, which um, has always represented the the reunion of spirit and matter. And so you can see the journey as you work this wheel with us on the show, um, that the practice, think of yourself as the hero going on a sacred quest for your wholeness to reclaim it for the sake of Mother Earth, for your own spirit bothered to take a body for a purpose. Mm, right. And then honor that. And um, and then with each cycle, each Sabbath will kind of call forth what is best in you. And so this last little bit of time, I'd like to use it... Um, to give uh, you folks a kind of a sample of what a ritual might feel like. And you can uh, use this in, in your own work, if it's helpful to you. So I'm now going to cast a circle, call the directions, and uh, call the Lord and Lady, set our intention, And then I'm going to take you into a cauldron meditation. And from there, because I don't have time to do the whole ritual with you, from there you would know that you would want to make a statement out loud, whether even you're there with no one else but you and goddess, 
or whether you're amongst your friends, however you want to do it. But just know that you'll be stay, stating out loud because our words have resonance. Our, our, our words have power. And spoken aloud, even if we're alone, our words have a greater power. State your intention and sit with that process of, of being the infant reborn and all of the new possibilities that you bring with you from that place. So taking a big deep breath and allowing yourself to become quiet. If you're driving, I suggest you hit pause and don't listen to this until after you fart. Allow yourself to focus on your breathing. Big, deep breath. Opening your crown for inspiration. Opening your tailbone and your feet for a sense of connection to the earth. Releasing any mundane thoughts for just the next few minutes. Allowing yourself to become still and grounded, one with the earth and sky, a divine conduit. Casting a circle, intending a magical bubble surrounding you, protecting you, all around you, above and below you. We call upon you, powers of the air, rulers of east, watch, witness, and guard this right. Bring us clarity, insight, and inspiration. Hail and welcome. We call upon you, powers, fire, rulers of the south, Watch, witness, and guard this right. Bring us your will, passion, courage, and commitment. Hail and welcome. We call upon you powers of water, rulers of the West. Watch, witness, and guard this right. Bring us your healing, purification, and love. Hail and welcome. We call upon you powers of the earth, rulers of north. Watch, witness, and guard this right. Bring us your grounding, security, and prosperity in our divine purpose. Hail and welcome. We call upon you, spirits of the great above, loving spirits, bright future of possibilities. Watch, witness, and guard this right. Hail and welcome. I call upon you, spirits of the great below, the bones of our ancestors, and the lessons of our past. Watch, witness, and guard this right. Hail and welcome. As above, so below. As within, so without. We honor the center of ourselves that is pure spirit. Hail and be welcome. We call upon you all of our helpers, spirit guides, power animals, Reiki masters, ancestors, And I call upon you, Caridwen, mistress of the cauldron womb. You've stripped us down. Now, make us new. That in our dark and empty space, in thy wisdom, make a ready place. That from our void and from our dark, with sunchild birth our inspiration's spark. And like the babe of newborn day, bless our shine. With love, we pray. Crone to mother, we bid you hail and be welcome. We call upon the sun and spark, seed and stag. Here in our hearts is a place made ready for you. Precious sun child, soon to be reborn. Beloved one, here in our hearts, rise solar fire. You spark our intention, bring quest to the question, your new dawn rises in our soul. 
Lord of the tall grain. Here in our hearts, plant your seeds of commitment. We stand ready for our new beginning. Here in our hearts, we call you Hearn the Horned One, Stag on the Hill, Lord of Freedom, Action, Passion, and Will. Hail and be welcome. So begins the vigil of the longest night. The mother travails and will soon birth a new beginning. We return now to her cauldron womb to contemplate our sacrifices and await our rebirth. Here at the crossroads of death and rebirth, the past must die or we are bound to repeat it. Let the past with its story, drama, and suffering be boiled down to a handful of lessons. We need not forgive the past, only release it. Your past is merely the road that has brought you here. It holds no true power, only the illusions fed by your old beliefs of loss, lack, suffering, unworthiness, and harsh judgment. These are chains of your own choosing. They will hold you back so long as you allow them. Could you break them? Are you willing to break them? If not, then take a moment and be with your resistance and ask yourself, if not now, when? Now, together, let us break our chains and offer them up as our sacrifice. Let the old ways die so the future can be born. Here in her cauldron, what do you shed and what would you have in its place? This trade will for a moment leave a void. But what appears to be empty is really filled with possibility. And when you're ready, step up and meet Caridwen or any goddess you're comfortable with. Let her know what you are shedding and your intention. Know that it is blessed as the seed of your rebirth. And know that you are blessed in all that you do and all that you are. A constantly perfecting reminder of the perfection of being human. Know that you are loved and adored just as that child was held in the mother's arm. And blessed be. I hope you enjoyed our visit with the goddess and your meditation, and I hope it prompts you to uh, into the insights that are absolutely perfect for you. Thank you so much for joining me today in this journey. I look forward to um, many more times and unveiling um, what this practice has to offer. If you um, want to get in touch with me, uh, you can find me through suzypeltier.com, S-U-Z-Y-P-E-L-T-I-E-R.com. I do offer Skype, Reiki, um, uh, spiritual counseling, uh, lots of different things. So visit my site and have a look. Um, I am open to chatting with any of you that um, would like to. Thank you so much, John, for being a part of this and being such a, a wonderful inspiration to me. Uh, 
and uh, I really appreciate your help in bringing this dream to life. Thank well, you. And thank you, Susie, for bringing your wisdom, and uh, I can't wait to share more. Me too. Well, thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining us, and um, keep in touch, uh, because we will have more of Susie's amazing wisdom in discovering Taoist wisdom.